Hello and welcome to Grassfed and Graceled podcast. I'm Maddie Rose, and today we are talking about a topic that is very important to me, like almost every topic I talk about on this podcast so far, and that is the difference between good theology and bad theology, and primarily why we should be concerned about bad theology. Now, uh, those who know me uh, in any way on social media or on other platforms, they know that I'm really passionate about good theology and especially warning people about bad theology, and I know that sometimes this topic can be a bit of a turnoff to people. They often are labeled as Pharisees and judgmental um, by many people, especially other Christians, but I think a lot of that comes from just the general misunderstanding of why we care and why this topic is important. And also maybe they've had, you know, some bad experiences with people being a little bit militant about it and gone about it the wrong way, not really out of love, but just because you're sharing something out of love um, doesn't mean that people are going to like it, and it doesn't mean that you have to be um, really apologetic about what you're saying. I mean, it is okay to call out things that are dangerous and harmful and wrong firmly and confidently and We see that in scripture as well. Um, Just off the top of my head right now, I'm thinking Paul in Galatians 1, where he uh, talks about anyone who uh, gives them another gospel should be cursed. He actually repeats himself. Um, But anyways, so talking about bad theology versus good theology. Now, define theology, of course. Uh, Theology is a word that really just comes from two words combined, theo, theos, and and logos, or ology, and we get the study of God, theo being God, and ology usually meaning the study of. And so now we have the study of God, and we get our theology, if you're doing it right, you get it from the scriptures, And, um, you know, it it can be an overwhelming kind of uh, genre for some people, and initially it might seem kind of a turnoff, Um, but really, it's really important that we are grounded in sound doctrine, and that is something that we are told to be in scripture, and in order to be a healthy Christian and, and someone who can really Uh, look out for others, and make sure that you're functioning in the will of God, then you're going to want your theology to be as close to uh, biblically accurate as you can possibly be in this imperfect world with our finite minds. So um, I'm just going to give you an example. Actually, before I do that, I'm going to read you this quote by uh, John Piper. And he says, bad theology will eventually hurt people and dishonor God in proportion to its badness. And I really liked that quote because he, he points out in its proportion to its badness. So some bad theology can be very harmful and dangerous in that it's not even 
right, and therefore it's not salvific. So, you know, you have to get the gospel right in order for people to believe in Christ and be saved. And if they're being taught a workspace gospel that you just have to be a good person or that you have to go to church or you have to do X, Y, Z in order to be saved, then they're not actually being taught to trust in Christ for their righteousness. And if they're not being taught to repent of their sins, then some people will be kind of deceived into thinking that you can just, that salvation is really just, you know, making Jesus your best friend and nothing in your life needs to change. All you have to do is just have your life and a little bit of Jesus on the side. And there's no call to repentance or anything like that that we see in scripture. And um, so those are just some examples of how there, there can be some serious bad theology where ultimately the people that have been um, taught this or told this might not actually be saved because they've never actually heard the true gospel. It was never presented to them correctly. So they're usually stuck in either a very legalistic um, type of religion or a very antinomian or kind of free-for-all. Like, there is no law. There is, you know, just keep doing what you're doing. Um, and neither of which, of course, are true. So, of course, that's an example of bad theology. And you definitely want to point people to the truth. And doing so is loving. Yeah, it's not wrong to try to tell people the truth. Because if you really do love them, you don't want them to be deceived their entire life. And I kind of refer to it as loving people to hell. And I don't think any of us really want to do that, but it's a big lie that we've been kind of told that, you know, you don't want to hurt somebody else's feelings or you don't want to infringe on their beliefs. And um, you're not really infringing on their beliefs. You're pointing out that what they believe is not in line with the truth. So, of course, it's up to them and their situation, you know, if, if they're going to listen to you and we can't do the work of the Holy Spirit, only God can do that. So we can't force anyone to believe, but we can't expect them to believe in the truth if it's never presented to them. And if they're never confronted, if they're caught up in something that is false. And um, that's just really an important uh, feature of, of knowing the difference between good and bad theology. And maybe you yourself have been or are currently caught up in a system with bad theology. But just like the John Piper quote said, you can also have bad theology that in proportion to its badness maybe isn't as severe as, say, you know, a false gospel, but it can be still very harmful in other ways. So an example of that, I would say, is um, the word of faith. Now, they, they do have a false gospel in, in many senses. A lot of those churches do preach a false gospel. It's just that, you know, Jesus here is to make you healthy and wealthy. You know, the kind of Joel Osteen type thing. Um, that's not, of course, the true gospel. But you can kind of have the light version of that, where they do have, you know, true teaching, but there might be overly emphasized how much healing or prosperity you should expect in this life. And that can be really damaging in 
two ways, generally speaking. One is that the people that are hearing this and believe this for themselves um, expect to be healed of every ailment or expect to get, you know, um, this job opportunity or be really blessed with material possessions. And when they're not, when something goes wrong with their health or the health of a loved one, or they lose their job and they're not financially secure and they've been um, kind of taught this message that as long as you're being a faithful Christian, you're going to get all these earthly blessings and they look at their life and they see that they're not, they can become very disillusioned with God, for one, and their own faith. They can doubt their own faith and trust in God. They might question a lot of things that just they shouldn't even be having to worry about because that's not that's not what we are taught in scripture, obviously. We are not taught to expect material gain and wealth. Those verses are usually taken out of context from promises that God gave to Israel when they were an actual um, state uh, government, like a theocracy. You know, is this type and shadow of the kingdom of God and in this, in a more spiritual sense, it was this type and shadow of the new covenant, this church, this body of Christ, and they had their own purposes, of course, to bring about the Christ, the Messiah, was to be born through Israel, and they were given all these different promises and blessings that applied to Israel, but now you have pastors and, and teachers you know, telling you that you were going to get those same types of blessings and stuff that Israel was promised if only you um, obey and only if you pray and only usually if you give them more money. And you should also expect, expect healing. And if you don't, it's because you didn't have enough faith or you haven't been faithful enough with your tithing or whatever it is. You have unrepentant sin. So this can be very hurtful to the believers themselves that are on the receiving end of this type of teaching. Because it's it's not helpful, it, it's not true, and it's very harmful in those scenarios where um, people will just feel like God doesn't love them and he's abandoned them. And they're not given the promises um, from scripture that God is with them and that they will go through various trials, but that they can trust in God. Uh, you know, Paul talks about in Philippians about doing all things through Christ. He's talking about contentment in both good times, times of plenty, and times of where he's in want, where he's poor and, and needy and struggling, and also when he's doing well, that he is content in both situations. So we should believe and expect that as well. On the other side, the other kind of general way that this can be harmful to people is then those that are on the receiving end of those teachings and they've just either uncritically heard it or maybe they just are sold on it and that's what they believe and have been convinced of it, then they're going to say things to people that are in those situations of hurt, loss, disease, um, you know, poverty, whatever. And, and they're going to say har these harmful things to them. They're going to say, oh, well, you just don't have enough faith. Or... Your son died because you didn't pray hard enough. You just had to believe more. Or, well, you just need to be more obedient and do all these things 
Or maybe you have unrepented sin and that's why your child was born with a disability. You know, I've heard that. I've, I've known women who have been told that their child has a disability because of unrepentant sin in her or her husband's life. And if you've read, say, for example, John 9, John chapter 9, you know that it starts out with um, the disciples and Jesus seeing a man who is blind from birth, and they ask Jesus if it was something that, or they, they ask him, who sinned, this man or his parents? And Jesus responds that it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. So there you see that it's not a result of unrepentant sin, nor is this healing a result of this man's faith, because you see towards the end of the chapter, it's then once he's told who Jesus is and asked Jesus who he is, that he then has faith. So he's already been healed from his blindness before he even knows who Jesus is. So those are just, or that I should say, is just an example of, you know, a case in scripture where people that do these things in day to day, or you're telling it's, oh, it's a result of unrepentant sin. They're missing that in this text here. They're missing that that is actually called out as not always a reason for why someone is in a, uh, has a disability or something like that. And also it shows that it's not just faith or having enough faith that results in your healing because the man didn't even know who Jesus was. So it's not that he had great faith where, of course, you see other instances where Jesus does heal on account of people's faith. But I think when you get, you know, kind of bogged down in those narrow um, oh, it's just their faith that healed, and we start focusing too much on that. You you miss the bigger picture of what's even going on in Jesus's ministry with his healings. Yes, he did heal people, but he did not heal everyone. He left crowds that were waiting for him um, to be healed and stuff, and he did leave. So he wasn't there just to heal, and he did those things to show that he was God, to fulfill prophecy, to kind of foreshadow the reversal of the curse that we're going to experience in the new heaven and earth that's not uh you know no longer marred and tainted by the curse and sin and there's a lot of bigger more transcendent reasons and when we get bogged down in these smaller nitty-gritties then it ends up in a bad theological place and it will harm people because you're not actually applying the truth to them now that being said, theology in and of itself, you know, the things of God can be offensive to people and the gospel rightly proclaimed is offensive. If you're pointing out, you know, that people need to repent of their sins and believe in Christ and that they are not good on their own, people don't want to hear that because the natural person hates God and they can't understand these things. And, you know, Paul says that it's foolishness as well as a stumbling block. So there, you're going to have bad reactions to the gospel, of course, and we can't avoid that. We can't try to make the gospel more appealing to people, but we also don't need to create stumbling blocks where there need not be. Uh, a lot of harm has been done um, in the name of God and in the name of Christianity because of bad theology. Um, anywhere from, you know, hurting your friend's feelings because you said something 
that wasn't accurate scripturally, and you said it very, uh, I'll say unwisely, you know, there wasn't a lot of thought put into that, and um, you hurt your friend because you told her, oh, you know, well, your son's sick because you, you guys haven't prayed in faith. That, you know, that's hurtful, but it's not going to um, send her to hell or something because you preached a, you know, false gospel. But at the same time, there's been times in history where people have been killed, mass, you know, killings because of bad theology and people justifying terrible, terrible sins in the name of misapplying scripture and bad theology. So certainly it can harm people. And that's why we as Christians need to be passionate about the truth and about what is right and good and what is scriptural. You know, the Bible has ultimate authority because it is the word of God and it is inspired by God. Um, you know, this isn't just written by man. It's not a collection of books that the church put together in 300 AD or whatever you might have heard on the Da Vinci Code. But, you know, these men were were writing and they were being carried along by the Spirit. And God, God's words are on paper here and we can rely and trust in them to have authority because God is God and he knows what we don't know. So we have to look to the Bible as our ultimate authority and we should look to great, sound, biblical teachers who are well-versed in scripture and have studied and, quite frankly, stand on, you know, the shoulders of giants through all of history that they've, you know, the church has been around for 2,000 years. And, um, you know, a lot of really good work has been done in the realm of theology, and we shouldn't abandon what's been done in the past just because we're so focused on the scripture now um, that's another way that people can kind of go astray is just thinking it's just between them and the bible certainly you should be a berean and you should study you know what is being taught to you and, and look for it in the word but we are to need you know we are given teachers pastors you know the shepherds um, or under shepherds as i've heard it said you know in your church and different theologian, old dead guys, those are always good to read because they're dead and you know how they finish their life without falling away. And um, there's just a lot of good theology out there. And because we, you know, claim to love God, we should want to and desire to grow to know him more and better. And because we are called to love our neighbors, we should also grow to know God and know him better. And uh, that way we will hopefully not fall into... Um, circles with bad theology and we won't perpetrate bad theology and we'll allow the truth of the gospel and the truth of God's word to be the only thing that offends the world while you know we live faithfully and obediently to the truth in all those areas that you know the world resists but that we also don't abuse and misrepresent God you know I, I personally think that one of the ways that we can use God's name in vain is to misrepresent him. We are called to be image bearers and reflect his image. And when we are not doing that accurately, you know, we're defaming God. And especially if you're proclaiming to be a Christian. So it's very important to have good theology. And that is one of the reasons why I'm very passionate about it. I don't want to see people caught in it. I don't think I have all the right answers, certainly. 
but I am passionate about it, seeking those right answers and seeking the truth and really standing up in areas where it counts. Of course, there's going to be secondary and tertiary issues that, you know, is kind of the area of Christian liberty and maybe more minor disagreements on things that are not salvific, but ultimately they're really important areas like getting the gospel right, getting the nature of God right, but also understanding how to apply the concepts in scripture appropriately where they don't do more harm than good when you're misapplying them. And that's the risk that we take when we are not, you know, really seeking to uh, know, know the scriptures and know theology. You got to start somewhere. Um, One of my favorite quotes, I've heard Paul Washer say, I've heard it, you know, a few other times, and I think it's an old quote, but when is the best time to plant an apple tree? Well, 30 years ago, but if you didn't do it then, then today. So if you feel like you're behind and you haven't done it, we'll start today a little bit. Just start where you're at and start working towards it. One resource that I'm going to recommend here is the American Gospel documentary. It's an excellent uh, documentary to watch if you want to learn more and kind of see more examples of how this bad theology hurts people and how prevalent it is in Christianity today, and how really our country has been kind of exporting this into other countries where it's doing a lot of harm there, and it hopefully will fire you up and make you really passionate about this as, as I am. So the American Gospel Documentary, you can stream it on AGTV, uh, which is a streaming platform and it has a lot of other fantastic Christian content on there that is reliable and trustworthy and is very affordable. Um, highly recommend that if you don't want to do that. I think there is a one hour free version of the American Gospel on YouTube. It's not going to have all the same content as the full length one, but it's still really good. And you could also probably rent it somewhere like on Amazon Prime. Um, but yeah, I highly recommend if you haven't seen it, the American Gospel. I think that's a great platform to kind of dive a little bit deeper into this subject. And I really hope that, you know, you have a growing desire to know the things of God. Don't be overwhelmed by topics of theology. I hope to kind of bring some of those down and really discuss some of those, you know, in future episodes, Lord willing. And it's fun. It's exciting. And you're learning about God, you know, what better way to use your time. And it applies to our daily lives. So certainly um, stay tuned. And, you know, I got a lot of really good feedback on my intro and outro song, which I absolutely love. So I decided that I'm going to add a little bit of a longer section of that towards the end. It's not much longer, but I just love the song so much. So I hope you guys enjoy my slightly longer outro music. But thank you again, guys, for listening. I really appreciate it. It means so much to me. Uh, Don't forget, if you haven't already, please subscribe or follow my podcast on whatever platform you're listening to. And I pray that you will continue to be grass-fed and grace-led. Thank you, and God bless. Mm -hmm.